And I will have you turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10 as we continue uh, to make our way through Hebrews. And this is the last part of, of chapter 10 leading up to this great uh, chapter about faith uh, when, when we get there next week. Uh, but last week we were talking about apostasy, this uh, turning away from Christ uh, to something else, uh, giving up the teachings of the gospel, uh, basically. And, and uh, a few of the things we talked about is this idea of, of not having knowledge of Christ, not only knowledge of Christ, I should say, that he died for sins, but this true faith, he died for your sins. He died for my sins. And having that faith deep in your heart about who Christ is and, and guarding our theology because apostasy can be tricky and, and can make us question ourselves sometimes. And then remembering who God is. God who uh, said, as, as we were finishing up last week, uh, vengeance is mine and I will judge. Uh, God saying he, that he will judge his people. And and remembering uh, that God, uh, and that's who he is. Now, uh, the original readers, they uh, were tempted uh, into apostasy. They had, they had been dealing with persecution, and we're going to find that out when we get to our passage here. Not to the point of death yet. We'll find that out in chapter 12, but there has been some persecution and uh, a little deep persecution, actually, that we'll talk about. Now, are they currently going through it? We don't really know. Or, or maybe they see it starting over again. These things kind of go in cycles sometimes. And so uh, maybe they're thinking, uh-oh, here we go again. We can see uh, some of these same things happening. And, and uh, so they're being tempted to give up Christ you know, rather than have to go through this again. Uh, but in their temptation to, to give up, uh, they're encouraged to endure. And through that, we get our encouragement to endure. Though we haven't dealt, uh, most of us, with the type of persecution they have dealt with, there is always that temptation to uh, maybe just to give up and try something different or go a different way. Uh, so we'll get our encouragement to endure here. So let's read uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 10. I'll begin at verse 32. But recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while... And the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Gracious God, 
we do thank you for your word and for your encouragement that we find in it. As we look at it this morning, we ask that you will uh, bless it and that you will uh, speak your truths into our hearts. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm going to steal a page from the playbook of, of the writer of Hebrews here. Uh, he often uses Old Testament examples in making his point. And in fact, we have an Old Testament passage as part of, of what we look at this morning. Um, but I want to look at something that he didn't really mention here. And, and I want to look at Israel as uh, they left Egypt. Uh, Moses led them out of Egypt. And, and as they were in the wilderness, uh, God had Israel do a, a couple of things along the way. Um, one of the things that God had the people do was uh, set up markers and do things to remember from where they had come. You know, one of them is Passover, which was the, the final plague before Pharaoh let Israel go. It was, it was the Passover where they put the blood on, on the, the doors and, and, and the angel of death would, would pass them by. And, uh, but, but Egypt was affected by that. And, and God told them, remember the Passover every year. Celebrate that. Remember that. Uh, as they would uh, go through rivers uh, that had been stopped and they walked through on dry ground, they would pick up rocks and, and make a monument. And part of the idea of that was when your children ask you, what's the deal with this rocks or these rocks here, you can tell them what has happened and, and, and what God had done. And there were several things along the way that God would tell them, remember, remember what has happened. Remember where, from where you've come. And the other thing God would do to them is, is remind them of where they were going. You're going to this, this land that I've promised. And remember that. And when you get there, and he would talk about things about what to do when, when you go to this, into this land. And, and so he would remind them of where they had come from and to where they were going. And our writer of Hebrews, in encouraging us... Uh, uses the same uh, tactic, if you will. Remember the past and think about the future. And, and our passage this morning is split up basically into those two ideas. Remember the past and think about the future. And, and remembering the past, that's basically in verses 32 through 34. Uh, in verse 32, he talks about uh, the former days. Recall the former days. Uh, when after you were enlightened. And, and that word enlightened tells us something in verse 32. Remember, he's writing to Jewish Christians. They were enlightened. And so their uh, afflictions or their persecution had nothing to do about being Jewish. It was about being Christian. After they were enlightened. And so what does that mean? Well, uh, Who's involved in this then? Who's persecuting them? Who's, who's uh, exposing them to reproach and affliction? Is it the civil authorities? And I'm part of it you'd say, yeah, because we see some of them are in prison. But it goes deeper than that. Uh, family, friends, you know, they, they gave up Judaism to follow Christ and, 
and now kind of everybody's against them. It's, it's a pretty hard struggle, uh, in fact. That's what he, he says, endured hard struggle with sufferings. And especially for the Jewish people to go to Christ, th that was a big deal. If, if you were in Judaism, you were supposed to stay there. You know, it's one thing for the Gentiles to go after Christ because the Gentiles back then, well, they'll believe anything. You know, they, they had lots of different gods. So for them to go to Christ wasn't that big a deal. But when you read like in Acts and Paul, uh, you know, going, chasing people down, I'll, I'm going to go get them and bring them back to Jerusalem and, and we'll beat some sense back into them. And, and for these Jewish people, it was very hard uh, when they went to Christ. But through this, uh, they had shown true courage and true love. Uh, we notice that in, in verse 33. Uh, true courage, as they were publicly exposed to reproach and affliction. Uh, family and friends calling them out on, on the streets. Uh, of humiliation, if you will, ridicule, uh, putting up with that, and showing courage in that, uh, apparently, as he writes this. And not only that, but not abandoning the, the, the fellow believer then, uh, hanging tough with each other. Uh, Paul writes in, in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, he speaks about the body of Christ. He says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. Uh, then he'll follow up. If one member is honored, they all rejoice together. But, but they have suffered together. And, and they have done that once they realized uh, what they had in Christ. The, the faith that they had that Christ made this perfect sacrifice. And, and they were righteous in the eyes of God and they didn't need any of the Judaism anymore and the Old Testament sacrifices they had Christ and they were God's children because of him and and they didn't even care what they had to deal with uh, knowing who they were in Christ and and it it caused this unity among them and this zeal even and we catch a little bit of that in, in verse 34. As he said, you, would, you had compassion on those in prison. And that was important, uh, especially when you consider the time. Uh, prison uh, back then was nothing like it is today. I've done jail ministry and, and prison ministry, and I've, I've been there. And, and I know at least those guys are eating. Uh, but back then, you weren't sure if people thrown in prison were even eating. Uh, people had to come and, and kind of help them and, and bring them things. In fact, uh, Paul, when he wrote to Timothy, he'd say, bring me my jacket. It's getting cold and the weather's turning. And so uh, I need these things. Bring me something to read. And, and the, the prisoners, uh, they, they depended on those outside. But here's the other part of that. If you were to go with something to the prison, you, you, you've become a marked person because the authorities will look at that and say, well, wait a minute, he's coming and helping these Christians in prison. We better keep an eye on this guy. He's, he might be no good too. 
And so you've kind of put yourself in peril of the same fate as this person in prison, but they didn't care. They, they, they still went and, and had compassion on those in prison, even though there was a real sacrifice involved. Uh, and they joyfully accepted plundering. I mean, we just let that one sink in a second. They got plundered and were joyful about that. Um, but the writer of Hebrews uh, mentions that. Yeah, you, you joyfully accepted that. Uh, Christ, uh, in some of his teaching in Luke chapter 6, uh, as, as he was teaching many people, he said this, Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. And they experienced that. They knew what that felt like. Oh yeah, they, they're saying bad things and humiliating us in public and they're plundering our stuff. Isn't this wonderful? They had something better. And, and they, they knew that. And the writer of Hebrews wants them to remember when they were going through that. And for a few different reasons. Well, one of the reasons being, remember what God has done. This is kind of an Old Testament theme here, but, but remember what God has done. It, through the humiliation and the imprisonment and the plunderings, God's been with you this whole time and, and he's got you through this. And, and don't give up on God yet. You know, Paul, when, when he was in prison, um, and he wrote uh, Philippians, and things were bad uh, for Paul. In fact, so bad that he would write, I'm not sure if I, I'm going to live or die, and I really don't care if I live or die at this point. I think things had gotten kind of bad. Um, but in that, Paul, writing to his fellow brothers and sisters, wrote, I'm sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And then he goes on and writes this very uplifting letter because he knew what was coming. And he wasn't going to give up on, on God. And, and sometimes we have to sit and remember what God has brought us through. You know, those times in our life when there didn't seem to really be a way out, and somehow God provided for that. Don't give up on God. That's part of the reason for remembering uh, the former days. But also, and, and this might even be more the emphasis, is this idea of remember what it was like to have that passion, that zeal, you know, that, that love, that they could come and take your things and, and, and you're plundered, and you joyfully are able to say, you know what, I've got something better. Who cares? You know, that, that kind of, of love that nothing else mattered, that kind of, of dedication, devotion. You know, one of the things uh, that I love uh, when people start talking about them are old dating stories. You know, those crazy things you would do uh, when you were dating, uh, traveling how many hours, you know, to see your loved one for a few minutes, you know, and then turning around and, 
and traveling home again. And uh, I remember uh, one time we were in college and, and home. It was in the summer. We were home from college and we were uh, a bunch of friends. We were at a, a friend's house. He lived a few miles out of town. And uh, I'm not going to go into the whole story, but uh, people were kind of coming and going. You know, we all had summer jobs and, and things to do. And, and all of a sudden, it was late afternoon, kind of early evening-ish, and we realized everyone who had a vehicle was gone. Uh, they had gone and do other things, and so there's like five of us. And, and we knew some more friends were coming eventually, so we weren't scared, but, but, uh, but everyone that had a car was, was gone. And uh, it didn't bother us except for one of our friends uh, because he had a date. Uh, and, uh-oh, how is he going to get ready for this date? Because we have no car to get him home. And now we're a few miles from his house. And, and so he's asking, what can we do? And he made a couple of calls and nobody was home at the time. And so he said, well, do you have a bike? I'll, I'll ride a bike and, you know, and, the guy that lived there said, well, I have a couple of old bikes in the garage, but they haven't been ridden for years. I don't even know what kind of shape they're in. Well, didn't matter. He got the bike down and tried to pump up the tires, but the tires were old. They weren't going to hold any air. And I said, look, these tires aren't going to work. Give this up, you know, just call her and tell her you can't make it. No, he wouldn't do that. And so he'll ride on the rims. Well, in the meantime, uh, what had been a beautiful sunny day had turned into a thunderstorm and so the rain is falling and there's thunder and he gets on this bike and and you know there's four of us watching him and and he starts pedaling the rims you know you can hear the rims on the gravel as he's going down the driveway and and that bike squeaking as he pedaled you know they're gonna hear him long before they see him and and lightning is flashing and Thunder is booming, and, and the four of us standing watching him right away. We didn't know if we should be impressed or concerned or appalled, but it was a real show of devotion. Uh, that, you got to give them that at least. Now, by the way, they, they did get engaged, I think, later that year, maybe the next year. I forget the timing there, but, but I mean, that kind of love and devotion, it, it really didn't make sense to us at the time you know and, and maybe you have one of those stories oh I, I can't believe what I did you know I rode a bike in a thunderstorm or whatever your story may be but that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying remember that crazy love you had for Jesus when even your best friend stood in the garage watching you thinking I'm not sure about that guy anymore we got to talk some sense into him but remember that love even if no one else understood it uh, in Revelation chapter 2, uh, Jesus is, is having John, he, he's, he's writing through John actually, and, and there's these letters that, that he's uh, writing to churches. And in the letter to the church at Ephesus, uh, Jesus says this, I know your works, your toil, I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and I'm paraphrasing here, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. Recapture that love 
You've lost that love that you used to have or nothing else mattered. Go get that. It's, and it's easy to lose that zeal if, if you don't take time to remember what it was that fired you up in the first place. We have Christ, this great Savior who died for our sins. said, you have that. That's a better and abiding possession in, in verse 34 than anything else you could possibly have. Remember that. You know, uh, King David, after his uh, terrible sin with Bathsheba and everything that came from that, uh, and he was forced to face it, uh, wrote this great psalm of repent in Psalm 51. And part of that, uh, David writes this, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and take not your Holy Spirit from me. You can kind of see what David's getting at there. Remind me of that joy that I have in you, that love, and, and don't go away from me. I, I need you, God, and restore to me that joy that I had when I knew you as Savior, because you are uh, our Savior. And also there's this sense of, of remember that and don't bail out, because then you've gone through all that for nothing. Remember what you went through? Do you really want to just bail out? Because you know something better is coming. That, that's the whole reason you went through it in the first place. Remember the promise. Remember the reward. Think about what's coming. And that's the second part of our passage then, verses 35 through 39. Because in verse 35, he says, basically, if you throw away your confidence, you're throwing away your reward. And it would make no sense to do that now. You've gone through so much. Think about where you're going. And your confidence isn't, remember, it's not in yourself necessarily, but in God. God's the one who started this. And God is the one who has made the promise. And you notice that in verse 36. It's God who is the one who has, has made the promise. God's bringing you through there. Hang in. Keep doing the right thing. Keep that faith. You know, when you read a lot of Paul's writings, uh, there's a lot of times this sense of Paul saying, I'm fighting. I'm hanging in there. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm striving, I'm trying to finish strong, I'm, I'm doing the best I can. In 1 Timothy 4, he writes to Timothy, you know, for to this end, he's writing about Christ, we, we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God. And, and quite often you'll see that in Paul. I'm, I'm, I'm going, you know, I'm hanging in there, I'm enduring because the promise is coming. And we see that in verses 37 and 38. And, and we get another Old Testament passage here. And this one comes from the book of Habakkuk. Um, Habakkuk 12, or 2. And uh, primarily there's a little bit of Isaiah in there. But let me set up what's, what's happening as, as uh, we look at, at that passage. What's happening in, in Habakkuk is is uh, the prophet is crying out to God. This is back in the 7th century B.C. Uh, is crying out to God because Judah, the nation of Judah, is, is basically profaning the, the covenant 
uh, they're sinning, they're unrepentant, they're open about it. And the prophet is, is complaining to God and saying, why is this going unpunished? Do something about this. And then God told him, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send Babylon and they're going to punish Judah. And the prophet was even more angry. He said, Babylon, they're even worse. Why would you send Babylon? They're worse than we are. And, and God said, okay, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to send Babylon and they will do the punishing. But eventually I'm going to bring Babylon down as well. And I'm going to restore my people. But it's not going to happen right away. You're going to have to wait and trust. And, he, and then God would, would regard those who waited in faith as righteous. But for those who didn't trust, there would be judgment. And, and that's this passage. A little while, the coming one will come. And this is Christ, as our New Testament author writes about it here. Christ will come. And he, when the time comes, he's not going to delay. And the righteous will live by faith. But if he shrinks back, uh, my soul has no pleasure in him, as it re reads there. And the writer is saying, hang in there. Now, faith is going to be the subject of the next chapter. I mentioned that. So there's a lot more coming about faith. But I want to stick with this, this passage here as, as the writer is encouraging them and, and saying, we're not ones who shrink back. And, and notice he includes himself in here now. We are not those who shrink back and are destroyed. And it's almost as though the writer is saying, I have history on my side, remember? I, I went through this. Remember what we've been through? We don't shrink back. It'd be foolish to give up after all you've endured. Because then you get destruction rather than the reward, rather than the promise. Hang on to that faith. Remember what you're hanging on to. Think about heaven uh, for endurance so that you may endure. Uh, Richard Baxter is one of the um, most famous Puritans. He was alive in the 17th century and, and used mightily by God. But his life was filled with chronic ailments and illnesses and pain and and a lot of other things going on. And during one of these really bad bouts where he was just laid out for a while, what he started to do was think about heaven for 30 minutes every day. Not read about it or, or anything like that, but just sit and think about heaven for 30 minutes every day. And in fact, he, he kept doing that. Even when he got better, he continued to do that every day. And a great book came out of it called The Saints' Everlasting Rest. And I want to read just a little bit of what Baxter uh, writes in that book. He writes this, If there be so certain and glorious a rest for the saints, why is there no more industrious seeking after it? One would think if a man did but once hear of such unspeakable glory to be obtained and believed what he heard to be true, he should be transported with the vehemency of his desire after it 
and should almost forget to eat and drink and should care for nothing else and speak of and inquire after nothing else but how to get this treasure. And yet people who hear of it daily and profess to believe it as a fundamental article of their faith do as little minded or labor for it as if they had never heard any such thing or did not believe one word they heard. It was his thinking about the reward that drove him. And despite all of his ailments and all of the obstacles in his way, he did wondrous things. He wrote over 400 books uh, and basically converted a whole city in England by himself. He was very, uh, very proficient in what he did. And he said he, en he endured so long and so hard because he knew what was coming and he just couldn't get it out of his mind and it kept driving him and that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying remember what's coming let it propel you uh, to quote one more Puritan Thomas uh, Manton uh, takes a look at this passage as a whole and he writes this in short so much as God is to be preferred above the creature, heaven before the world, the soul before the body, eternity before time, so much doth it concern us to have the better parts safe. And what he's saying is think of those better parts. God, heaven, the soul, and eternity. Remember where you've been and remember where God is leading you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the encouragement that we find in Hebrews. The encouragement we find throughout Scripture. The encouragement we find in Christ and His death the encouragement we find in his resurrection and the encouragements you give us with your Holy Spirit speaking your truth into our hearts that we can carry this great faith into uh, our lives. Help us to renew that love and that zeal and, and that passion that we have for our great Savior who died for our sins, that we will endure whatever it takes, even if those around us scratch their heads and think, wow, he is really dedicated. But to be able just to have that passion and that zeal to chase you and your truth no matter what, that we may do your will in this world. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you will, stand. And you can spread out a little bit if you want. And Becky will follow your lead.
Our benediction this morning comes from the book of Romans. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.